Welcome to Forward with NACI, Inspiring Entrepreneurial Action, a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial leaders, and the communities that support us. We hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together. Welcome to Forward with NACI. This episode is a replay of an inspiring discussion held during the 2021 Future Building Summit in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was sponsored by the Kauffman Foundation and included inspiring thinkers and leaders from all sectors, government, business, policy, and philanthropy. We talk about charting a new course and rebuilding in 2022. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy. Well, welcome back everyone. And it's nice to be surrounded virtually with all of our speakers and, and members and guests that are joining us online. So we're gonna pivot into actually the fourth chapter of the book right now. And, and let's begin with this quote. The world does not care what you know, but rather what you do with what you know. So we've talked about that in the morning session about taking action. And we have with us on the stage three of probably the most entrepreneurial or among the most entrepreneurial presidents that are out there. Dr. Sharon Pierce, president of Minneapolis Community and Technical College, who's also our board treasurer. Uh, Dr. Steve Schultz, president of North Iowa Area Community College, who is our chair of NACI board. And Dr. Betty Young, president of Hawking College, who received the Entrepreneurial President of the Year Award. So welcome to the three of you. So we agreed last night when we were talking, it's all about the students. So it continues that theme of what we've been doing today. Um, Betty, why don't you start and, and share with us a little bit about um, how you see uh, the role of, of students, what they need, and, and how do community colleges provide structure for this? Great. If point of privilege, uh, Dr. Ed, I want to say thank you for including Hawking College in the partnership with Entre Ed. Uh, we were a second choice institution. The grant actually came through for another college that decided they didn't want to do it. I can't ever imagine not wanting to do something. And so they came and said, would you be interested? And we jumped on it in a heartbeat and it's been hugely successful for the partnership and the pathway from K-12 into higher ed with, uh, with uh, entrepreneurship. So talk to Ed. You know, I'm a, a lawyer as well as an educator. A lot of people don't know that. And uh, in, in law, we say you take the client the way you get them, guilty or not. And in education, I have a good friend who reminds me that they send us the best they got. And so with those two things in mind, what I want to emphasize this morning is who is our student and how that has changed over time. I used to attribute it you know, I said, well, I'm getting older. And so, you know, I think the next generation's not going to make it. And, you know, I'm sure that my parents and parents <laughs> and grandparents thought we wouldn't make it, you know, especially in the 60s and 70s. We had a lot of reasons to give them to, we might not make it. Um, but we did. But societal influences, and I've studied this significantly now, have really influenced this generation of students. Some of the recent data shows us that, um, 
when most of us in this room were 18, our level of maturity would be equal today to about a 25-year-old. And that's, a, that's delayed development. And I know you have individual examples of those who are still exceed, excelling at 18 and so forth, but we're talking generally here as a society. So why is this? We as a society have had significant trauma, no more than the last couple of years, but even before that, with addiction and dysfunctional families and dysfunctional schools and these adverse childhood events, ACEs that pile up on our students with food insecurity, home insecurity, bullying at school. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And then the society's value that it's being placed on education has declined significantly. And so we have to prove our value on an ongoing basis to people. We also know that brain development, while that big strapping young man who's 18, 19 years old standing with you in your class looks like an adult, the brain development is still not there, particularly in critical thought and judgment. This is the last thing to develop in the brain. And we know that that doesn't happen until somewhere 25 or so. Um, they tell me girls are a little faster, but... Um, the other thing that we know and we're seeing in higher ed is that uh, we have the disappearing male. And this doesn't matter, black, white, otherwise. Men are not coming to college at the same rate as women are. And, you know, you think about what we focused on for so many years. We focused on the fact that women need to go to college, right? Well, good. Guess what? We got what we focused on. We have to now re-energize our focus around men equally as much to encourage more men to go to college. So our roles have changed. We can't simply uh, teach skills. We really have to think about what we're doing to overcome these societal ills by transforming the lives of our students. You know, that happens through policy, procedures, content in our classroom. We have a duty to inspire the student, the methodologies we use, um, and we have to review all of these through different eyes. For example, we have an attendance policy. And if you uh, aren't gonna be in class, you've got to email your instructor or call them before class. Why? Because that's what you have to do at work if you're not coming in. That's great. And so we're mo modeling this kind of behavior. So. Yeah, it's a great way to, to kick it off and really sets the context of, of what all of the faculty and, and people that are joining us are learning. Dr. Schultz, um, you are the president of a very rural college in Iowa and love to hear um, about a little bit about your experience in K-12 and how that has informed the work that you're doing um, in community colleges, maybe a model of success that you're finding out there. Uh, thank you, Rebecca, and, and a point of privilege for me. I just want to thank all of you for being here. Um, it's been a tough 18 months mm. for all of us, you know, and I've been an administrator since 1989. I was a 28-year-old high school principal, okay, and by far the toughest year I've had. Well, look at that picture on, the, on there. That was me 18 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> But, but seriously, our staff and our faculty have been through a lot. And, I, and just to, to revert back to Chapter 3 for just a second, we're not going to solve the problems that are in front of us today, whether they're workforce, DEI issues, without all hands on deck. 
And so my career started out in K-12, and when I became a superintendent of schools, my goal was to provide an opportunity for every single person in my high school to get engaged with college coursework. The theory was if we could get them far enough down that path, the chances of them succeeding and completing were much higher. Okay, well, then I finally saw the light, and I moved to community college after 20, 20-some years in, in K-12, and my goal really hasn't changed. Um, I, think, I think our role as community college leaders um, has changed from the fact that it's a responsibility of ours to reach down and help these students up. Because the K-12s are under-resourced, we're under-resourced, we have to do this work together. Whether that's through career counselors, through scholarships, through dual enrollment, all of those things. We, we need to do that. And why? Really to the guts of chapter four. It's we need to create a mindset of success, a creative mindset that these people know they can be successful beyond high school. Seven out of every 10 jobs created between now and 2030 will require some training after high school. Mm. Only two will require a bachelor's degree and one will require the degree I have. <laughs> right? Does that tell you something? Okay, we are in the sweet spot and we, we are where America needs to invest because the future is in the community college system. We're in every community, every county in this country. Okay, so we have a huge obligation to remove barriers, whether they be achievement barriers, financial barriers, social barriers, to get people up. Okay, so, so you understand that you work in the system. And for those, for those um, sponsors and business folks in the room, I wanna say thank you to you, you get it. It's also the responsibility of every local business to engage in this work and to reach down and help us do our work. And so I just want to really think about that differently, how we can break down those barriers and work together to meet the needs of our local communities. Because it's a whole lot easier to keep what you have than to convince somebody to move to another state or somewhere else uh, to fill your enrollment gap, right? And I don't know what it's like in your state, but, but we still have 30 to 35% of all high school graduates not going on to, to do any post-secondary education. And that's really dangerous right now. Um, you know, I, I graduated from high school in 1979, and many of my classmates went to work at a meatpacking plant back when unions were really strong. And, you know, they're making 25, 30 bucks an hour. And they were driving nice cars and buying houses. At my five-year class reunion, they were all unemployed and had no idea where they were going. Mm. Okay. Can you feel that happening around you right now? I mean, we have state officials saying you don't need to go to college. Okay. Well, you might not need to go to college, but you need some skills, mm -hmm. right? So um, I think, again, that chapter is we need to accelerate. A is for accelerate. We need to accelerate the work. We can't be patient. Uh, we, we need to accelerate it. We need to shorten timelines to completion. We need to minimize debt. We need to do all of those things so that we can solve the problems of, of the job market and really put people in a position to, to earn a living wage and, and reach the middle class. Yeah, that's that's well said. And, you know, we've been talking about that the last couple of days as we really kind of lean into this future building summit. Um, in addition to the skills gap and the things that you've mentioned, you know, there's this focus on equity. We were talking about this um, deeply the last couple of days. And um, Dr. Pierce, talk to us more about, you know, what is equity? What opportunities do we have to really focus on an anti-racist agenda? You know, what could be or what is the role of the community college and the ecosystem partners in doing that? Sure. I think that when we talk about closing the equity gap, I, I'd like to just start with this point that I think is a surprise for the majority of people 
Minnesota, as a state, has one of the largest equity gaps in the country in every area you can think of, be it skills acquisition, education, healthcare, home ownership. Minnesota, beautiful Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, has one of the largest equity gaps in the nation. And so that puts my college at the epicenter of closing that gap. That is critical to our mission. And so in order for us to do that, we have to be entrepreneurial. We have to think of new solutions because who has not spent the last 20 years thinking about equity and inclusion and how to narrow the gap? And we haven't done so, not in a way that is significant. So that means we have to do something different and we have to do it now. And what does that mean? It means being bold. It means thinking of new ways of thinking and being and learning and doing. And so we all experience this pivotal moment when uh, we, the nation and the world came face to face with a murder in a video that just took all of our breath away. And it was very pivotal. I think it's one of the, you know, there are always these moments that define the decade. I think that's a moment that defines the current decade. Mm -hmm. And at that point, my college, Minneapolis College, had been on a equity and inclusion journey for a long time. And it made us pause and take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. And we declared ourselves our aspiration to become an anti-racist institution. And then it's like, what does that mean? How do we do that? How do we operationalize that? And one of the things that we've been talking about throughout this conference is equity and inclusion and belonging. Mm -hmm. How do we bring the belonging piece into it? And we have focused our work on being a trauma healing institution so that folks who come to our campus who work on our campus, who are living and learning on our campus, have a sense of belonging and an opportunity to thrive and know that they'll be welcomed and that we will be doing the things we need to do to support them on their journey. And how do we operationalize that? It's a question we're asking ourselves every day. We're making progress. We have not made nearly enough progress and we have a sense of urgency. That's what we feel right now. Yeah, I think that is right. And here at the NACI conference, we've had dozens of our members um, visit the George Floyd Global Memorial. And, um, you know, Sharon, you were telling me what a solemn place it was. And, and, and that's the way to begin, right, is, is to experience that. But you hit on something, um, Steve, you had really mentioned about the acceleration and some of, um, you know, the upskilling and influencing. And we think about taking action, as Beth and Andy have encouraged us to do. Um, let's go back to that for a minute. Now, tell us a little bit about how do you take action? Uh, she framed it beautifully. Um, Dr. Young, what, what, what do we do right now? Well, you have to be bold. If you're not bold, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to move the needle. It only happens with bold moves. You can be transactional or you can be transformational. But as leaders, it's your choice. So I encourage you as leaders to be bold. There will be resistance. Somebody won't like it. You will move somebody's cheese. Be bold anyway. 
I started athletics at Hawking College six years ago. Now, you know, not everybody loves athletics. Imagine that. I thought football was for the halftime show, but I found out it's not. As I started with football, my campus had less than 1% diversity, white Appalachia. We didn't feel we were growing global citizens through that. And so we started athletics as a way to bring in some minority students who would enjoy playing football. You know what happened? We not only got those students, but now other students who came to visit our campus saw students that looked like them. And then they felt like they belonged here as well. And so that athletic program has just flourished. We are members of NJCAA, and I have the first um, Down syndrome young man kicked two points so far this season on our football team, first in the history of NJCAA or NCAA. That's beautiful. And so, Steve, let, let's go to you because we're, we're winding down on time. So how do we take action? Well, I, I know at, at NIAC, we, we had your classic five-year strategic plan and we had all our strategic initiatives. And really, as we really put all that stuff aside just to deal with what was in front of us with the pandemic, you know, we just realized that, uh, first of all, a five-year plan is probably too long. And second of all, what was important in 2019 might not be the most important thing now. Mm -hmm. So we're really stepping back as an institution and asking for input from, from all of our stakeholders. You know, what is it we really need to be working on? You know, what are those critical issues post-pandemic that will move us forward and allow us to be bold and, and really differentiate ourselves um, from where we've been in the past? So, I mean, I, that's just a structure that we're going to go through, but it's a process that's going to be relatively inclusive and we can reset that plan for the last couple of years um, and, and hopefully uh, get on top of some of these issues and really focus keenly on the important things. That's, a, that's a, one of the, the disruption uh, benefits, I guess, if you will. Dr. Pierce, why don't you close us out? Um, you you were, had a really good, I think, um, discussion about, brief discussion about uh, equity, you know, diversity, inclusion, and, and the belonging piece. What, what do you suggest? How, how are you going to take action? Well, I... I agree. You absolutely have to be bold and you have to lean into programming that may not be popular. One of the programs that we are kicking off now is what we call Bridging the Equity Gap. And it is designed for black and indigenous men of color, specifically designed for that. It's a program that incorporates an entrepreneurial mindset leadership development, mentoring, and experiential learning. And it's designed for the audience that we are trying to reach. And so folks will say, well, what about the women? We haven't forgotten the women. The women need and want something else. And so we need to be able to understand our students, design the program that the students need, and not be afraid to champion those programs, not be afraid to say, Yes, we're doing something different. We know we need to get men in general back into college. Well, we're starting with our targeted audience that we are trying to reach. Men and indigenous men, black and indigenous men out of North Minneapolis, which is also at the epicenter of the economic upheaval in Minneapolis. So that's where we start. That's one thing. But we have a series of opportunities. And I would invite anybody who would like to see how we're trying to operationalize becoming an anti-racist institution to visit our website and take a look and send us information. We are open to learning from everybody. 
Thank you so much. Very well said. Let's give our presidents a round of applause. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward, and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at NACI.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard about our latest book, Impact Ed, How Community College Entrepreneurship Creates Equity and Prosperity? This is our roadmap for building back better in 50 states and globally. In each chapter, we share the inspiring stories of everyday entrepreneurs and explain how community colleges play a crucial role in their success. Visit us at nacy.com forward slash impact ed to order your copy now and join us in this work. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www.nacyplaybook.com.